The reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 to 13, and this can be found on page 743 in the Pew Bibles. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and to my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn brush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome. Uh, let me add my welcome to that of Matthew's. Um, lovely to see uh, See you if you're a regular here. Lovely to, to welcome you if you're visiting or here for the first time. Uh, my name is Tom. I help lead uh, some of the life here at St. Luke's, and one of the things that uh, we're really passionate about uh, here is that uh, the message of this book, the message of the Bible, shapes everything uh, that we do. We believe it to be God's Word. 
Uh, and with that in mind, as we dig into this fantastic passage, and thank you so much, Rosemary, for reading, uh, let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you that already, as we've heard your word read, your word has gone out uh, to us. Thank you that it's not going to return to you empty. Uh, please, Lord, would it accomplish what you desire? Uh, would it achieve the purposes uh, with which you're uh, speaking to us uh, this morning? Would your spirit be at work uh, through us, amongst us, in us, I pray. Amen. Well, I don't know if you've ever found yourself caught in a conversation where somebody's just back from their holiday, and it turns out all they really want to do is tell you absolutely everything about it. Maybe you made the mistake of asking, how was your holiday? And then you're instantly thinking, ooh, kind of wish I hadn't asked. I mean, they start, don't they? Oh, our time away, it was incredible. I feel so refreshed. I feel so energized. It was wonderful, magnificent, brilliant, fantastic. I mean, the hotel, the cottage, the Airbnb, the caravan, the tent was, was wonderful. Couldn't be comfier. Oh, and then there was the food. You never had anything like it. Oh, the restaurants, the cafes, the ice creams, the afternoon teas, the cream teas. Oh, one, oh yes, just brilliant, brilliant. And oh, you would have loved it if you could have seen the landscape, the mountains, the city, the seaside, the beach. Wow, so good, so good. And oh, the people, let me tell you about it. They were so friendly and they were so much fun or if you're that way inclined, they were so far away. Brilliant. In fact, let me, hold on, I've got my phone somewhere. Let me show you the photos. At which point you're kind of going, you're smiling on the outside and you're like, and you're saying, oh, I'm so glad you had a lovely time. I'm, uh, I was brilliant to hear about your holiday. Of course I'd love to hear your photo, uh, see your photos inside. It's a different story. You know it is. I know it is. Uh, conversation, you, you started to tune out, haven't you? And you're thinking to yourself, I feel absolutely done in. I really, really want a holiday. I really want some time out. I have no idea how I'm going to have it. I have no idea how I'm going to afford it. I don't really want to see your pictures. Oh, you're showing me anyway. Uh, wow. Oh, that looks beautiful. And they turn to you as they're showing the photos on their phone. And they say to you, you would love it there. And you're in your head going, yes, I would love it there. I want to be there. In fact, I'd rather be there right now than here. And then everything that you're thinking, everything you're feeling just changes in a moment because of a few words they say to you next. They say, well, we're going again next year. Would you like to come with us? On us. Doesn't that, doesn't that just, that's a game changer, isn't it? Yeah. Now that, I think, just captures something of Isaiah chapter 55. It's a chapter of God's unexpected, incredible invitation to people who don't deserve it. This would have originally been heard by God's people uh, as they were in exile, feeling battered and bruised and broken, uncertain of what the future looked like, trying to make sense of what life was all about. And God gives them, through Isaiah, this unexpected, undeserved invitation. And God continues to speak this invitation to people today. 
people who are feeling broken and bruised, people who are uncertain of the future, uh, people who are trying to make sense of life. It's an unexpected, undeserved invitation uh, from God, but not for a holiday. Because holidays, blinking, you miss them, they've gone, and you're just left with some memories and some pictures on your phone. It's an invitation to life, life that begins now and reaches through death and into eternity. If you've got your Bibles open, page 744, just have a look. The end of Isaiah at 55. Uh, those last two verses, verses 12 and 13. Uh, we're given a description of God's new world, the new creation, the new heavens, the new earth that's to come. We're told, uh, you will go out and enjoy. It's, 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 it's a joy there that can't be squashed. It can't be stolen. It'll be uh, led out, go forth in peace. Not because it's really quiet there. Although for some of you, particularly if you've got children in your house, that might be quite an attractive proposition. But it's describing a place where everything is right, where everything is exactly as it should be. It's a place of wholeness. And I'm sorry, Julie Andrews, I'm going to take your hills for being alive with the sound of music. I'm going to raise you Isaiah 55's hills and mountains singing. Trees clapping their hands. Yeah, okay, it's picture language. But it's a picture, isn't it, of the creation celebrating everything being put right. Praising God for what he has done. Why? We read on verse 13. We see thorn bushes are replaced with junipers. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. I'll be honest, my, my knowledge of plants is, is getting better with having an allotment, but it's still pretty poor. I did have to Google juniper and myrtle. Um, but what I did kind of work out, even, even me, a bear with little brain, could work out. There's something going on here of the, the reverse of the curse of Genesis 3. Do you remember what God says to Adam in Genesis 3? He says, curse is the ground... Because of you, it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And do you see here they're being replaced by juniper and by myrtle. And my Googling of them tells me they're evergreen. That's the picture, right? Failure, frustration replaced with life and fruitfulness. And if you're keen on gin, apparently juniper is important in gin. So there'll be gin in heaven as well. This is the kind of God we gather to worship. This God who invites generously, unexpectedly, and invites undeserving people to enjoy his world recreated and made totally right. That's the God we're here for this morning. And sometimes we really need to lock that into our minds. Who God is, what he's inviting us to, that really the best is yet to come. Because on the outside of our lives, we might be giving the impression that we're getting on and living our best life. But even though there are brilliant moments in life, they are brilliant. But they are moments, aren't they? They're not the whole story. There's plenty, on, uh, plenty going on around us that, that feels heavy going, tough going. We're recovering still from a pandemic. We're watching a war unfold in Ukraine. Uh, people around us, people we know and love, are seriously ill and going through intense treatments. 
Uh, others maybe are sitting, scratching their heads, trying to work out how on earth are they going to pay their bills? Perhaps you were here this morning just feeling weary, broken, disappointed. And it's, just, it's the stuff that takes the shine off life. Well, God's invitation here is it's better than any party invitation, any wedding invitation that you might get and stick on your fridge that speaks of something that's to come. God's invitation speaks of what's to come, but it's an all, also an invitation for life here, now, today, at about 10 past 11, this Sunday. An invitation to true and real life. An invitation that does something to us now. Go back to the start of Isaiah 55. Uh, and we, we read about this. He says, uh, God says through Isaiah, Come, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine. I may have raided the communion cupboard. Come buy milk. Thank you, refreshments team. I stole your milk. I'll return it. Come and buy these things uh, without money, without cost. Picture of a feast with three particular drinks on offer. I don't know which one of these three you'd instinctively reach for. Um, I suspect you wouldn't want to try and mix the three together. <laughs> that would be foul. However, once we realize what these, kind of, these drinks stand for, we will want to mix them together because we want them all. Water. It refreshes. It restores, doesn't it? In Isaiah 44, it speaks of God's blessing. It speaks of the Holy Spirit being poured out. Wine throughout the Bible is a symbol of joy. A good gift from God, not to be abused, but to enjoy. Milk, it gives us strength. It speaks of God's generous provision. Think of the Old Testament people being led into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Refreshment, joy, strength for life now with all that's going on around us and all that each one of us is facing. Don't you want that? I want it. So this promise of life to come, this promise of life now with refreshment, with joy and with strength, where does it come from? How do we have it? Well, it's as if God through Isaiah 55 draws us in closer and says, listen, listen. Verse three, give ear, come to me, listen, and you may live. You will have life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. True in real life now with uh, refreshment, with joy, uh, with strength. Life to come with joy and peace and the recreation. It comes from being included in God's covenant, in God's promise of faithful love. It comes from being included in God's promises. His promise to love you with a depth of love you can barely imagine. It comes from the, the promise that God commits himself to you with a commitment that can't be broken. That God gives us someone to will rule and lead us perfectly. And that God will join us with a people from every nation and call us his people. 
This is God's unexpected invitation to undeserving people, an invitation to true and real life, life now where we can be refreshed and have joy and be strengthened with all that's going on and the promise of what's to come. And I think I'm left with three questions. Three questions. First one, who is this invitation to? Who's invited? Have a look again at those uh, opening verses. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you who have no money. It's to those who are thirsty and poor. Maybe not specifically wanting a cup of tea and feeling like the wallet's empty. But just feeling like they have just lost everything and life is not working. There seems to be another category of people in verse 2 who describe why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy. People who are dissatisfied with life, who are trying to make sense with life and build their life on all sorts of different things and it's just not working. The invitation is to those who see that the world is both wonderful and yet broken. It's an invitation to those who have looked at different things to live by and they've left them disappointed and crushed. Those who know they are badly broken and in need of God's forgiveness. Put short, this invitation is to everyone, everyone who is willing to say, things are not right and I'm not right. And I think there's an important thing to realize, when we gather like this, there's a temptation that we think we're walking into some kind of showroom, and we need to put our best life on display. How are you doing? I'm great! When we walk through this door, this should be the place we go, I'm not great. Life's hard. I'm broken. When we gather together, it should feel like a doctor's waiting room, not a showroom. That's who's invited. Second question, how can we be sure this invitation is real? If something is too good to be true, what's the rule of thumb? It probably is, and you're probably being scammed. You know, the phone calls and the texts and the emails, you know. Millions of pounds if you'll send 100 pounds to me. Your internet isn't very fast. Why don't you tell me your password? You know, those things. And in many ways, this does seem almost too good to be true, right? And, and it, and it kind of is. We, we read on uh, in um, verses 8 and 9. We're told by God, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Of course, this is going to be too good to be true. We can come up with this. We can design this. This wouldn't be what we do. It's the heavens are higher than the earth. So my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. It kind of is too good to be true. But look how the verses go on. Uh, 10 and 11. So is my, um, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, that yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word going out and bringing life. How can we be sure? Because it's begun. That word has gone out. His promise to David, his covenant promise of faithful love has been uh, met in somebody who arrived in Jerusalem, with a donkey. It's not exactly a grand entrance. And we told him, Matthew, uh, it's, it's the quote, here comes your king, humble, and ride it on a donkey. One who 
actually, we've heard described throughout Isaiah recently. I, I realize I'm being really obvious when I say Isaiah 55 comes after Isaiah 54, and Isaiah 54 comes after Isaiah 53. But if you were here last week, we were in Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, the one who laid down his life, who uh, took our iniquities, our sins on him to bring us life. This servant figure that we've seen in Isaiah, uh, if you like, the only one who fully filled out the description, fully lived out the description is Jesus. It's given this invitation freely to us. Come, eat, drink. But it's not because these things aren't valuable. They're so valuable. They cost Jesus everything. And that promise of life, well, Matthew's already spoiled it next Sunday. Jesus is alive. Death couldn't hold him. That promise of life is held out. That invitation for any who are broken, any realizing life isn't working. The resurrection says it's real. So finally, our last question to ask, how do, how do we respond to this? How do we respond to it? Those of you who have known me for any length of time know that I am a firm fan of a sandwich. And I have a theory that anything other than in liquid form can go between two slices of bread. My pinnacle, I think my masterpiece, what I quite like to be known for, is the lasagna sandwich. Don't knock it till you've tried it. The bread is brilliant. Love it but it highlights what's in the middle, if you like. The opening and the ending of Isaiah 555, they're brilliant. They're brilliant, but it highlights for us the middle. Verses six and seven, that's how we respond. Seek the Lord while he may be found. This invitation isn't forever. Seek the Lord where he may be found. If you've never come to God, maybe you've been at St. Luke's for years, but you've never come to him, called out to him, turned your life to him. Now's the moment to do it. Seek the Lord where he may be found. What does it look like to seek? We call. Call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake their ways. We let go of things in our lives. We think differently. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. That's the brightest moment in Isaiah 55. Turn to our God. He will freely pardon. Now for all of us, we maybe uh, have moments, if you're a Christian, where we did that. And we remember it. And it's a significant moment in our, in our life. But, but if you like, that, that seeking God, that calling, that forsaking, that turning is a, is a daily thing. I was reading uh, the other day, Jesus' um, call to take up your cross and uh, follow him. But it's take up your cross daily. It's an each day thing. Small moments of leaving things behind. Small moments of crying out to God for mercy. Small moments of, uh, of turning back to God. And as we do that, there's a second part to how we respond. And it's hidden, hidden slightly away in, in verse 5. 
You might have spotted it as, as rosemary red, but it's, you, you might not have. We have this description of, of, of um, God making this everlasting covenant uh, and uh, setting up his, his king as a, as a witness to peoples. And then it says, verse 5, Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. There's the other part of the response. As those who have received an invitation and accepted it from God to life, we hold that invitation out to others from all nations. Those close to us. And what an opportunity we have this Easter. Easter is all about life. We can say to those around us, come. Come and see. Come and see what's on offer. Come and find life. Maybe you'd like to invite somebody along uh, to some of our Easter things. They're all, um, all in these cards. Take one of those home. Take two. Invite somebody along. We're running a Christianity Explore course after Easter. Uh, maybe come along. Bring somebody with you. Uh, we've got an event on the 5th of June in the park for the Jubilee. Those opportunities. But also just those small conversations where you can say something useful about Jesus and the life that he offers. We join in God's summoning of people from every nation because we have a God who unexpectedly invites undeserving people to life. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a life-giving God. Thank you that you are the God who's created us and in Jesus you are a God who's recreating us. Thank you that you have given us life, life as it's meant to be. Thank you for that hope of eternity, of, of joy, of peace, of the world made right. I thank you by your spirit. Uh, you lead us now. And whatever's going on in our lives, you offer to refresh us and to give us joy and to strengthen us. For that we give you thanks. Amen.